The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Tony Woodall. Normally, this is when Brad calls me some different name, a nickname every week. No, but today I'm just Miss Virginia's son. And I am here with our guest today, Paul Dillon. If you guys have ever heard Brad talk about Big Polly, and I know you have, that's who Paul Dillon is. He's actually a real person. He's not a caricature. And he also is a private investigator. All that's true. Maybe a movie star, like Brad says, and a multi-bazillionaire, too. I don't know that for sure. <laughs> All we know is that he's a private investor, great guy, and we've got him here with us this morning. So, you got anything you want to say to the folks, Paul? First of all, thank you for having Look forward to this. Yeah. Got the call from Brad and, uh-huh. or the text message because, you know, he's enjoying his personal <laughs> time right now. Yes. Yeah. I just want to say thank all you to everybody in the group. Everybody in this group is just awesome. I get some messages and emails a lot. Right. I just love interacting with everybody. The positive attitudes, the, the drive that I see. Yeah. And, and I tell you what I really like is when someone's struggling uh-huh. and they just keep pushing. And as the obstacles keep coming in on them, uh-huh. they just keep hurling over those obstacles. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you just see boom on the other side. Yeah, it is. And even it, it, this group is the apprentices in this group, the investors in this group, even when they get to that place where they pushed and pushed and pushed and they're just worn out and tired mm-hmm. and they think I'm done with this one. Somebody else in the group, you know, comments on their Facebook thread about the whole deal. When they right after they say I'm done, they were like, well, that's fine. Then give me the deal. I'll make all the money if you don't want any of it. And of course they stir them back up, you know, and get them back going again. Or they just come on and say, Hey, look, you can do this, man. We're not giving up right now. Cause there's 15 people been involved in this deal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just like this whole, I'm in all the groups. I get to see all this stuff. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm friends with a couple of them. You know, I've either friended them because I talked to them so much or right. they friended me. And I'll tell you, there's one person in particular on that group. When they pop up on my Facebook page, it excites me uh-huh. because this person is so motivated. Oh. And, and I believe this person is a single mother. And what I see what she's doing, uh-huh. I'm blown away. Yeah. I'm just like, if I wake up and I'm having a bad day uh-huh. or I don't, I just feel like the world's stacked against me because we're all going to have those right. days, right? And then I'll see her post and I'm just like, if, if she can do it and she's killing it the way she's killing it. And juggling everything else she has to juggle. Yeah, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. But well, I think I do, but I'm not going to call her name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But and I told Brad, I said, I'm just, I'm almost intimidated. By her. Yeah. And is uh-huh. so great. Uh-huh. And, um, but oh yeah, she's just, she doesn't know. I've never told her that. So, but just she motivates me, uh-huh. and that that's a good thing, right? Well, there there's a couple, a young couple that hasn't been in long, and they they're from a, up in a small state. You know, they, it's if they were just looking at it like I don't have any big cities or I don't, 
you know, I'm never going to find great deals, that kind of thing. But they're so bought in to, to not, you know, we don't buy houses, we buy equity. Mm-hmm. And if you're focused on equity, you can purchase it in any small community that's out there. Unfortunately, there are people struggling, you know, in, in any kind of a community. And so an equity is not bound by how large a house is or what neighborhood it's in. You know, a lot of neighborhoods where you're going to find half a million dollars, $750,000 houses, you've also got people that have mortgages for more than what their their house is valued at right now. Well, you know, having lived in Southern California for so many years, if there's one thing I learned there to hear, here in Tennessee, is everyone's mortgaged to the max. They're, mm-hmm. they're tapped out on, they got to have this big home. Mm-hmm. They got this mortgage they can't afford. Yeah. They got to have these brand new Mercedes, brand new BMW, brand right. new Audi. And then... When I moved here, it was a culture shock in the sense that I, I spent the first eight years of my life in an area where there was lots of farming and, and crazy Cajuns in the bayou. Yeah, we were talking southern Louisiana. Yes, yes, southeast. We were talking about that a little bit earlier, Lake Charles and uh, some great restaurants there. Yeah, we go to Louisiana as much as we, we, okay. we Fun. want to. Fun. I mean, it's just a fun little drive from here, mm-hmm. right? But I forgot that little farmer that we think is just poor wearing his overalls, driving his 1980s pickup truck. Right. The amount of money those people have is insane. Uh, very, very yes. smart with their money. Uh-huh. They're very patient. And that's, that's something that's really cool. Yeah. But something you hit on about the group is the resources in the group, how everybody works together, gives advice. Somebody will reach out and say something. And you were talking about that, that couple in a smaller state. Right. There's a gentleman and his son don't even live in the country. Yes. That blew my mind. Uh, are you talking about Derek? I'm talking about Derek. Oh my gosh, man. Derek comes on with this energy, like on the accountability call, you know, and he's like, dude, you need to get out. You know, I don't, I can't do his, his accent. I mean, but he's, it is amazing the energy he brings to the table and how he lifts people up. Right. And you you know what about, about him is he's humble. Very humble. He's not arrogant. Mm-hmm. He's humble. He's listening to whatever someone's going to say, and he processes it, and then he gets advice on it, uh-huh. which is key, right? Yeah. So this couple that I was talking about that are up in the northeastern part of the United States, you know, they're new, probably three and a half months now, maybe. And their first two deals that they thought they had pretty quickly in their second month, they it wasn't that they fell through in that something else pulled it out of their hands. They had to make the hard decisions to let them go mm. because they did not meet the criteria that they'd been taught by Brad. Mm-hmm. But they could taste it. They could feel it. They could smell what the amount of cash it would be. They, it just was not. It could have gone either way once they found out some additional things. And it, it knocked them down, knocked the breath out of them for a week or two. But then the next thing, you know, I mean, the next week they're back on the accountability call and they're saying to people who are struggling, you know, hey, don't give up on that. See it all the way through. It doesn't matter if you don't buy it or not, because we don't buy houses. We buy, equ- I mean, they are repeating the same thing well, and coaching these people up. Two things. The system. Yeah. You follow the system that's been proven. You're that's not right. going to fail. That's two, right. discipline. Yeah. One of my favorite shows is Shark Tank. Can't stand Mark Cuban for nothing, right? <laughs> but it's Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. Yeah. When you look at his discipline and what his theory is on money, right? I want to take my money and have it go out and make friends and come back home with its friends. Uh-huh. 
Uh, right. And he's very disciplined. He doesn't allow his emotions to get into his deals. Right. And I think that's key, right? Yeah, exactly. Keep our emotions out of it. It's okay to be happy, excited. Right. But I think we've got to keep our emotions away from yeah. the deal. It, and that's hard to do. You know, I mean, that's what banks are. Banks are emotionless. Mm-hmm. Very um, transactional. Yeah. They used to be very relational. In the 50s and 60s, you could go in and you'd, you'd have the same banker for 40 years. When you, was the last time they gave out a toaster? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I mean, I go to the bank in Murfreesboro that I go to because they have kept someone from that time period. And when I go in, Miss Donna is at the, she. they parked her right at the front, her desk, right when you walk in the door. And, I, and she gives me a little Debbie oatmeal cake. Yeah, that's gone. But you said the key was you keep coming back. Oh, I'm right? not going anywhere. How do you? So that's the key, though, too, is you got to figure out how to be transactional, but yet still have that personable connection. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's something that I've had to master. It took mm-hmm. me many years, probably at least a decade to figure that out. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, we could talk about all the different, you know, investors in the apprenticeship and investor creator, the rest, you know, multiple shows. Yeah. We don't have time for that. We're going to get into something that you have done a tremendous amount of work with with us, work on with us. So, and basically as Brad was talking to me earlier this morning, it was uh, difficult sellers. And it's not that people intend to be difficult, but the situation that they're in when they call us is a difficult situation. If you have a highly motivated seller, the odds are way on that it's going to be a difficult situation. And so we look at them sometimes where people are just angry they're in the spot that they're in, that they're having to talk to a total stranger about a place that's not an, um, you know, it's not equity to them. It is a home. And they've had kids that have been raised there. They've lived marriages there. They've been through painful things there. And now they're in a spot to where they're going to lose this home, most likely. And if they don't get some kind of help, but even the help they're getting is painful. So they they sometimes they're just in an ang- they're angry because they're in the spot they're in. Sometimes they're in the middle of a divorce, unfortunately, and both sides are trying to figure out where the spoil's going to go. Mm, yes, you know, so that's never it's never good. You've got two sellers, and most of the time they're not on the same page. Even worse, heirs six, seven, ten sellers. Yes, the the next one was children against children. <laughs> Adults, yes. children sparring off with other adult children. The, my last deal I had was six children. None of them live in the same state where the house is. They can't stand each other and they could not stand their parents. Was anyone in prison? In the past, I had to drive to South Georgia, Vidalia, Georgia. Oh, yeah. To visit one in prison. We're working on one right now where we got someone who's in prison. Yeah. Yeah. One sixth of the equation. Mine was one eighth of the equation. And I drove, I talked to them one day. They said, he's here. I said, can I make an appointment tomorrow? They said, yes. I drive eight hours to Vidalia, Georgia. The next day, pull up at the jailhouse, go in for my time. And they said, you are not going to believe what happened last night. Someone came to the jail and admitted to the crime he's being charged with. No way. He went before the night court and they released him. Wow. Dropped the charges and released him. And we have no idea where he is because <laughs> he's no longer on probation. Right. He can go wherever he wants to. 
And and I was walking out to the parking lot, feeling so defeated. And the sheriff comes out and says, I do know where he has a relative here in town. And I can give you that phone number. Nice. And I found him through that relative in Texas. He'd already got him a Facebook page and posted. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I found him there. So anyway, you're right. Children against children. There are those you can do. You've got so many stories. And then uh, sometimes, unfortunately, there's drug abuse mm-hmm. or there can be mental illness. And so it's difficult for sellers. And unfortunately, during that time, too, many of them can become difficult. So I know that you've done a lot of work over the years with Brad, for Brad, and for others of the investors we have here. So I'm, I, there's a couple of them I'm just going to uh, throw you a bone on and turn you loose on. The first one is Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So tell us about o- Oklahoma. Okay, see. Um, so we got a phone call. I got to start off with an email. I spoke to the gentleman uh, probably a couple months ago. And I'm not sure if it was on this or, or another issue. And then next thing you know, I'm in a group email with Brad, this individual and myself. And it was a individual was selling the estate. He had two different properties. One is deceased sister, one for his deceased parents. And none of the family members wanted anything to do with it. All of a sudden, one's coming out of the, the woodworks. And she just happened to show up at a time that a home inspection was taking place. Mm-hmm. And she was just mad, just, just a wet hand, man, mm-hmm. right? I mean, just mm-hmm. throwing a fit. So it, it got to the point where nothing we were going to do over the phone or on our end was going to work. We actually had to go put boots on the ground in Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> so I did. I, I Got every, we got everything set up and boom, jumped in my car and drove to Oklahoma. I mean, they were having those storms. My car, the front strip on my car, the paint got ripped off. Centerpiece on my windshield got ripped off. Oh, windshield wow. got cracked. Oh, yeah. I didn't get out of that storm we just had over there unscathed. Oh, my God. Was it a tornado? Was it? I, I don't know what it was. High winds and damage. I just thought it was high winds yeah. and, and uh, just debris. Yeah. But apparently it was more. So I don't know what happened, but I definitely wasn't that guy, that kid in the pickup need, truck. Have you invoiced Brad on that deal yet? Oh, no, this, was, this one wasn't Brad. Okay. <laughs> I don't like that. Somebody in our group? Uh, yes, it was okay. somebody in the group. So, um, but we got out there and I, we had a bunch of things that were in place. I mean, we had, we had quick clean deed fraud. We had notary fraud. We had an irate sister who turned out to have an irate living boyfriend who lived two and a half hours away, like literally on the Kansas, Oklahoma border. Right. Wow. So I get into town, I meet up with the, the seller, the one who's the point contact. We get copies of certified copies of death certificates. We get records and stuff. And then my next goal is to pull records. Right. And the system we already knew was oppositional to the, to the cell, but we don't know why. So then we popped a background check on her because we want to know what we're working with, right? Let's just say this family, when I had to talk to a detective from the sheriff's department, said, anytime you deal with a member of this family, it's not going to be easy. Oh, wow. So, you know, that just makes life a little more interesting, probably is a good way to say it. <laughs> so we popped the background and we realized that she had filed for bankruptcy last year. And we noticed she filed for bankruptcy after dad died. So from experience, I said, I want to see if she disclosed her interest in this property. So we go to the bankruptcy court in Oklahoma City, get a copy of the bankruptcy petition. I see it right there. Boom. She denied the property. Box two, check. 
No. Says, do you have any interest in any other assets or property? No. Oh. Well, we got a problem here. Houston, we have a problem, right? So I knew, but I don't, maybe there's still some pieces I don't know. So I can't exactly jump to that conclusion. Then we, so we go visit her. We pay her a visit. And her brother was right. She didn't want anything to do with it. She told me, I don't want anything to do with this, but I don't want him to have the money. Siblings fighting. They don't like each other. And her boyfriend had put up the money for the dad's funeral, put up the money for the headstone, put up the money for the flowers at the funeral. He wanted his $4,000 back. Understandable, right? Uh-huh. Um, she started getting greedy. And she started getting really mad. She yelled at me. She cussed me. She was really emotional. So I said, and she admitted she didn't want the property. She just didn't want him to have it. I said, so really, you don't have an interest. She's like, no, I do. I do. I said, well, you didn't tell that to the bankruptcy court. You told me you didn't. Well, I filed before my dad. I said, when'd your dad die? And she goes, uh, and I said, no, he died April of 2021. You filed in August of 2021 and the court discharged in December of 2021. You committed bankruptcy fraud if you have an interest in this property. Now, if you didn't want an interest in the property and you said no, that makes sense. Because that's what everybody, you've been telling everybody. But all of a sudden, you pop up and you have it. Well, I just don't want him to have it. And that's what it was about. So at this point, I became a diplomat, right? My yeah. job was- Family counselor. To, pretty much. My job was to get her calmed down, get him, the other seller, calmed down, get the, the investor to get on board. And, and he was so great to work with, right? And just kind of get everyone on the same page. I'm driving back and forth two hours here, two hours there, an hour here, an hour there. I'm just all over middle Oklahoma and, and the northeast Oklahoma. Area. Right. Um, and then we get into the, the the quick claim deed fraud issue. And so what happened is the dad, before he passed, had a caregiver, a multi-convicted felon. And somehow, some way, a year ago, dad signs over a quick claim deed. And to this caregiver. After he passed away? No, before he passed before away. Before he passed away. Yeah. And then it was even notarized. So as we're looking at it, we notice, hey, wait a minute. And actually, the investor caught it first when he presented it to me. He had already said there. And we looked. The notary signed the quick claim deed 26 days after the guy deceased. So right then and there, you know, it's not valid, right? So how are we going to get over this? So I figured, okay, I tracked down the notary. And I talked to the notary. And I don't just run up Sam, a private investigator. Maybe 90% of the time, I don't do that. Right. Right. Um, I just like to talk. And you'll be amazed. People will talk. And then I said, hey, I'm working you know, on a deal. And this is what we're looking at. And, and there was this quick claim deed was signed. And I show her the paper and asked her for her signature. And I already had, I had 10 and a half hours to decide how I wanted to handle her, right, as I was driving to Oklahoma. But then she changed gears on me. When she said, yeah, I never should have signed that. Oh. And I'm like, uh, the, uh, the, I feel like I got robbed for what I had planned. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I was waiting for my Perry Mason moment on this. Plan R. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she admitted to it. And I have a recording app on my iWatch, right? So I just push this little button here. It'll record. So I had recorded the whole entire conversation for admitting this. And then she says, oh, yeah, a detective came and talked to me about it shortly after it happened. So that tells me someone had been investigating it. Well, I followed up on the investigation and he says, yeah, well, we just buried it because, or made it go away because it wasn't signed in our county, even though the the fraud 
occurred in the county with the deed fraud, the title fraud. So I talked to him some more and had a couple conversations. Finally, he went to the DA and the DA is like, you know, I'm sick of this, these notaries. Go ahead and file it and let's press charges on her, which is important for us uh-huh. because a lawsuit now has to be filed to overdo that quick claim deed. Even though it's fraud, they can't just say it's where the signatures don't match. We're able to prove it's not. We have admission that that she signed this, not had even seen the guy. What was interesting is she did it for her daughter's friend's dad, who was doing a favor for a friend, who was doing a favor for a friend. So she's like so removed from this transaction, yeah. right? So we got that confession out of her. We got the sister on board. Okay. We get, so we get all these people on board. And, and the great news is for this investor is what he spent to send us there, he's going to get back 10 to 20 times in his investment oh, return. Wow. Okay, that's right? so good. So that's what we always look at is, is our ROI, right? What is our return on what we're about to do? And, and I'm very conscious about that. If it doesn't make sense, I'm going to tell you it doesn't make sense, uh-huh. right? Um, it's, it's some of the people's in the group, no. But. I mean, that, that, any investment we make that kind of jars our the deal loose is going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like people with marketing. Sometimes they're like, now what, what's it going to take for me? How much marketing is it going to take for me a month to be a seven figure earner? You know, one of my mentors told me in the very beginning when I started my company is don't be penny wise and pound foolish. Yes. Yeah. And that's unfortunately people are watching their pennies. Yeah. Not realizing that fast nickels are a lot better than quarters. Yeah. So quarters. I just asked him, I said, Well, let me just ask you, if you're making a million dollars a year, how much is too much marketing for you on a monthly basis? That's right. At which point are you going to say it wasn't worth it? Is it when you did $10,000 a month in marketing? Because you've invested 120 grand there to make a million. Is it when you're at $20,000 in marketing because you've invested 240,000 and you've made a million? I mean, at what point? The question is almost, not applicable. It's the same thing with your, with the investment they've made in you. I mean, you've, uh, you've been the key that's unlocked a deal there that is going to be really good. If it wasn't really good, all that mess wouldn't have been going on. Well, imagine, so there's a lot more to this. I can't go into all the details. Yeah, you'd have to kill me then. At, <laughs> no, well, out of respect for the investor, right. right? But there's so much more potential that if he just said, I'm just going to let this go away. It's getting too complicated. It's a headache. He will lose out on a lot more. There's so much more than just two pieces of property here that's involved in this. Right. And by us being there, we were able to do some more. We were able to get more. We were able to get documentation that he wasn't able to get his hands on. It took me forever to scan some of it mm. and get it into the computer and do it. But like I said, the return on what he paid me right. is astronomical. Yeah. Astronomical. Just in the savings of what just being able to get face to face with some people was able to do. Just knowing a little bit more about that person that brought them to the negotiation table from irate and out of control to let's just get this done. Yeah. Some of you might be asking right now, look, am I going to need big poly on every deal I do? And the answer is no. However, you do not want to not have him on the deal or deals that you're going to have where you don't know how to get some things accomplished and you're not working with a title company who wants to do any work. Like mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I work with a title company to where this lady has, she has 
given me lists of eight children before and said, here's adult kids. Here's where they're all living. I mean, you're not going to find title companies. that are going to do that for you anymore. Right. And so I'm lucky, but I could have said to Paul, Paul, I need the names and the locations of these eight adult children. And he could have found them for me as well. I paid my title company. I paid her to do that. I could pay Paul to do that. It is worth it. On that one deal, that was a fix and flip, the one I had. And it was probably the biggest deal I've ever done, mm. personally. You know, so was it worth it? Heck yeah, it was worth it. So don't don't get down when this stuff starts to happen. We're run, We're dealing with sellers who are in difficult spots to start with. Some of them will go pretty easy. Some of them will not. They're going to be difficult. I've got one more that I want to want to see if you think you've got time to talk about Brad's Air in Kentucky. Does Kentucky remind you of anything? Oh, yes. Okay. I, I always refer to that as the real life Beverly Hillbilly story. Okay. If you yeah. if, share that with them, that'll be two good ones for this. So, Brad had to. If, if, if all the little details are correct, if not, Brad will probably let me know. He had to get a paper signed by an heir to an estate. And we had to motivate her. We had to do something. I think we ended up giving her $1,000 to get her motivated, right? And it was everything. So we go to track her down. We couldn't find her. I literally go to this really run down, beat down area in Kentucky and find a single wide trailer in the middle, it just looks like a junkyard. I mean, it's just like real trash. And she's not there. So I go talk to some neighbors and we find out, oh, we think she moved over to this area. So then we end up finding her. We get a phone number for her. I call her up. I talk to her. We go through the emotional roller coaster with her because that just seems to be sometimes it's just part of right. how everything goes. And we end up meeting her and to get her to sign off and give her a check for, I think it was $1,000. When I go to her new house, she's in a million dollar home in Kentucky in the country. So your first one you went to was single wide. Trashed out. Yes. That's where you thought she'd lived, but she had moved from there. And now she's in a million dollar house in the middle of nowhere. Kentucky. Absolutely. hundred percent. We got the job done. Right? What, was she, what were you thinking when you pulled up? I couldn't help but laugh. I couldn't help but laugh. Like how did you don't see this? This, this never happens, right? There was no lottery one. There was no daddy Robux situation, right? It just, it was just unique and it was just cool. It's part of the fun and the excitement that you get to see from doing all. But that's still, I, I got to share one, Yeah. right? Deer Lodge. Deer Lodge, Tennessee. That was one of the most interesting ones that I've worked for Brad. Um, we had to go out to a property. It was a foreclosure, right? It was a, yeah. it was a, Brad was financing yeah. it. So I actually went out there and purchased the house to start with. You did? From the gentleman, who's, that gentleman's now in prison. The, yeah. the guy we bought it from. Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, we own the judgments and the liens against him because we had to take care of a bunch of stuff, right? Okay. So we negotiated all the liens and judgments and got, except for the IRS, because, you know, those guys don't negotiate anything, right. right? But we ended up getting hold of the original creditors, settling for pennies on the dollar, oh. took them back. We now own them, right? So when we file our ownership of them, boom, I filed releases of the liens right away. Oh my right. Goodness. And then, but we had to see if they were on the property because they were weren't acknowledging the eviction stuff. And they had welded the gate shut. I mean, they just did all this oh, stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. So we popped the drone up in the air. I mean, they've got this property <laughs> trashed, right? But I'm not seeing any cars. I'm talking to neighbors. One guy says, oh, he's a truck driver. And the other one says, oh, they moved away. So we end up 
finding one of the kids. And we talked to the kid in the early 20s. Yeah. She gets a hold of mom. Mom calls me up just madder than a hornet, right? Dad calls me back. He's madder than a hornet. So all I do is they're human beings. No matter what the situation is, they're people. They've got emotions. They have a hard time, whatever the case may be. So I want to empathize with them. So I start empathizing with them. And I start learning just how bad the situation is. Yeah. She had issues. He had issues. They just didn't want to work. They don't want to work. They, they don't want to pay work. their bills. Right. And we ended up, the goal was they left the property. They did. They, they left the property. Yeah. They were out there. They were hiding. So just another interesting situation that if Brad didn't send me out there, yeah, it would have cost him probably another sixty, seventy thousand $70,000. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to say this, uh, how hard Brad tries in his own investment business to see people first. Yes. Problem second. So they made one payment when they bought the house and then they did not make six straight. Yeah. They didn't want to work. Yeah. And so Brad said, won't you go out there since you, you met them to start with. And so I went out there, Brad said, here's what I want you to do. Tell them that we'll take the six payments they've just missed and put it on the back of the loan. We'll let them start from scratch. Just start from the very beginning again. So I said, okay. So I told them that they cried. They were, they were thankful. And so then they did not make the next six payments. And, and so that's <laughs> that doesn't surprise me with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I say, what do you want to do? He said, I don't know. I mean, we, we don't want that house back, you know, in Deer Lodge. You know, there's nothing out there in Deer Lodge. Well, at the same time, what we didn't realize was happening was, you know, it was that influx of people from all over the country into East Tennessee. Yes. And Deer Lodge had become one of the little honey spots. It is, which is interesting because the Amish population there is. Huge. Remember all those Amish farms yes. were all around that yes. property. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're gorgeous too. I, mean, I tried to buy that from Brad, by the way. Oh, that house. Oh, I was, I was on that eight trying. acres. Oh, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't going to have it. Was uh -huh. he? <laughs> he thought this is going full retail. So he says, "Go out there and offer him six more months again. We'll tell him we'll put those new six months on the back of the loan, but this time they're going to have to write six checks. So I got them, and I can deposit first two bounced. And yeah. so we had no choice at that point. I mean, we had let them live there for over a year, and they'd made one payment. So I felt like. I felt like Brad showed them great kindness. No mortgage company was going to do that for them. Mm -hmm. And so we, we had no choice but to take the house back at that point. So That's right. Yeah. You know, I, it, Brad being a people person. So I knew, I've known Brad for over 10 years. Uh, and he was still doing real estate, I think, when I met him. Yeah. He was still a real owner, uh -huh. right? And I remember the first time I met him, he was wearing shorts. And I think he was wearing Gucci shoes. For some reason, I think they were Gucci <laughs> shoes with no socks. And I'm thinking, where did this guy come from, right? <laughs> it, it was at the cigar lounge. And, uh, oh, on the square. Yeah, on the square. Yeah, yeah. On the square. And one of the first things I noticed about him, he didn't care who you were. He saw you as a person. That's right. And in my line of the business, that's a very attractive thing. Yeah. Because I don't get to see that too yeah. often, right? Yeah. So I was attracted to him you know, on a friendship-wise because I saw that he saw people as people. Right. And very human touch. So. Yeah. And, and I've watched his business grow. No so where he's out today, and I will say it's because he put people first. Yeah. I mean, I, I was the first person he hired, and five years went by before the five or six before there was another person that came on. And, 
you know, it's not easy just working with one guy <laughs> the whole time, but he's been very kind to me and my family. And I'm grateful for that. I think people around here enjoy working for him. So, well, I was telling uh, you before, and the he show. will not let you say working for him and he hates the word boss. Yeah. You know, we work together. Well, I told you before the show that the atmosphere, I love walking into the, the office because yeah. why it's like, first of all, everybody knows who you are. Everybody calls you by your first name. Mm-hmm. Everybody is like, it's almost like a the set of cheers. That's what I was right? about to Everyone's say. Everyone's just a big family. George. Um, well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Tuesday Morning Coffee. It's good to have Big Polly, as Brad says, but Paul Dillon with us, who who does amazing work with everybody he works with and not just his PI stuff. I mean, it's just a wealth of wisdom in this guy. And I want to encourage you to reach out to him. If you've got, if you've got an issue you need to work with, or if you're just trying to think through some process and want another voice, um, it'll be a a good sound, solid voice. So, and Brad, we missed you guy. We'll see you back next week. Hope you guys have fun on the beach and, um, Take it easy. Have a great day, guys.